Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. afternoon good evening whatever the case may be on this sunday evening sunday afternoon sunday morning as i said you're all very welcome you're all locked in if you didn't already know you're already locked into the red fellas on a sunday night i'd say your go-to lfc show on a sunday night the one that you want to be at really i know you guys really want to be here like be here and you are with us you are with us in in maybe not in person but in spirit and of course in the chat um welcome welcome everyone i uh, hope everyone's well hope everyone's better than me um not being the best uh, just like liverpool being a bit poorly just like liverpool um but but um i'm glad that i've got the, the main fellas with me the red fellas and uh hope they're doing much better kev i know we've done a bit of a stream yesterday hope you're uh woken up feeling better and well i don't know how have you woken up more frustrated, feeling better, still the same. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually, I'm actually doing all right. No idea why. I, I just am. I think it's because I know that it's, uh, it's quite a few days till we play again, so I can go this week without getting frustrated by, a, by a Liverpool performance. Um, but yeah, doing good. Hope everyone else is as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hello, Con. Seems like a little while we've spoken. I know we haven't done a stream together. Hope you're being well. Um, yeah, it was a Brentford game was the last one, so I'm obviously bringing well, the good that, news. Well, that explains it. Yeah, that's why we haven't <laughs> done a stream since. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, doing, um, well, doing well. Looking forward to chatting to today, guys. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Steve, we always need a 
we always need a wise man amongst us, uh, in case, just in case we get carried away. And we may do today. I'm warning you, I'm warning the chat, I'm warning everyone else, I'm warning myself. I'm warning myself. We may get carried away because, as I said in the title, uncomfortable conversations, spineless, mentality midgets. I've used some amazing buzzwords, but we'll get into that. First, how are you, my friend? I know you've had a bit of a man flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you, I've uh, been better. Um, you think you're over it, and then it comes around for a round two. Um, what time's the wise man getting here then? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm frustrated too. So, um, okay, I'll keep it rational, but it ain't great, is it? So, um, it's certainly something to speak about. It is, it is. Um, of course, I've got Evan, soccer guard himself. Um, so just that's self-explanatory, right? Soccer guard is self-explanatory. We had to have soccer guard on the show. How you doing? Uh, doing good. Uh, saddened to hear that uh, both you and Steer are feeling under the weather. As you know, I've only gotten over my yeah. uh, holiday illness within the last week, so I'm on my way back up. But yeah, um, I think we will need um, we we will need somebody like Steve to maybe rein us in. A little bit because as as much as we we will be thinking we're speaking the truth we'll be speaking from a place of deep hurt and and pure emotion so perhaps you might say things you regret so it's nice to have that contrasting balance like you said always 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 is uh before we get into anything remotely liverpool we must we must shout out our sponsors and thank our sponsors they have been our sponsors from the start of the season. They will continue to be our sponsors till the end of the season. And that is, of course, your futcard.com, your go-to place for anything. FUT cards, football prints, creating your custom flags, pre-made flags, and any type of football art. As you can see, guys, these guys are the best in the business. Go check them out your FIFA cards, get your names printed, any kind of background you want, any material, any size, view ranging from £7.50 only, get your custom flags made, anything you want. You can get FSG out, you can get FSG in, you can get anything you want, you can get Klopp out, Klopp in, Nunes, whatever you feel like, um, go check them out. They're the people to go to, you type in uh, red fillers in the in the in the checkout, and you get fifteen percent off as well as a as a thank you from us, from for going through us. Um, actually, I've got an example of here of uh, of something I received very recently. Uh, there you go. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't want to bring the whole shit down. But you guys can see it, right? The Darwin Nunes print. I mean, that's quite stunning. I'm not gonna lie. That's actually him. And then we've got this one, which is uh, my segue into um, what I wanted to speak about today. Um, Jürgen Klopp cupping his ears. Um, I suggest there's a lot of fans, Liverpool fans all around the world, sort of wanting to hear things as well, guys. Um, so look, Liverpool, uh, since we last spoke, did we do what did we manage to cover Brentford in the Redfellas? I don't did we? No. No. No, that was the aftermatch reaction. That was all Chris. Of course. So therefore, since we spoke, Brentford happened. Um, and then a small matter of a cup tie happened. 
which was supposed to be a routine cup tie, uh, home to Wolves. Um, some would say not very important and relevant in the grand scheme of things. Well, this team selection suggested otherwise. We went as hard as we could, strong as we could, in the hope to instill confidence, uh, fluency, um, morale, all of that kind of business. And instead, we got the, I'd say, the total opposite. Probably the worst result in the grand scheme of things, in the sense that, okay, we're in the draw, but we get a replay. Um so I just wanted to just wanted to know where you guys are because um, I'm at the stage where I think I think we need I think we need clarification and leadership and I think we need it from the very very top lads and I'm going to open up with this statement to all of you that performance and the week we've had and you could say the season we've had after the summer that we had has culminated in us being almost a rudderless ship. Now, what I mean by that, of course, we have one of the greatest managers in our, in most certainly our history, and one of the great managers in recent times in football as well. But I think apart from him, there's no leadership, there's no uh, sense of direction right now. Especially with the ownership situation being in limbo, are we for sale? Are they looking for minority investment, giving us mixed messages? And I think that maybe not directly, but indirectly has an effect on everything that's happening through the club, through the staff leaving, through the turbulence behind the scenes, and that's being relayed on the pitch, which even though we drew 2-2 and we have another chance, I thought it was an abysmal, an abysmal performance. Um, I'd like to come to Steve first. That is my opening statement. I don't think there's a question in there, <laughs> but feel free. Let's, 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 have a, let's have a chat. It's difficult to disagree with the, with the statement. Um, the interesting phrase, a rudderless ship. Um, we've certainly got no leaders on the pitch right now, first and foremost, and, and they're not eradicating silly errors. We'll get onto the game at the weekend, but silly errors being a major thing. Um, I, I do agree that the ownership thing, um, players will tell you it doesn't bother them, but I suspect it does. <clears throat> I still think that, that FSG want to sell because they're after the Washington uh, NFL franchise that's due up in forthcoming months. I don't think they can afford to do both. And they need to get rid of us to restructure the way that they operate because as they are, they couldn't buy the NFL franchise anyway because there's a certain infrastructure you have to have to own an NFL club and they don't match that. So I suspect that they, they kind of still want to sell us. Um, minority sh uh, investment does absolutely nothing for the football club at all because a minority investor will, will have no say. It will be um, an investment for shareholder dividends and FSG will still hold all the cards and our business model doesn't change. So I think, I think there is some... Uh, grey area with regards to that. I think the club does need to come out and decide what it's going to do. FSG are playing their cards very, very close to their chest. They use their own newspaper to position themselves occasionally and they send out snippets to the journalists that they want to use to position. So right now, we're kind of like in the dark, aren't we, with, with where we're at and what, what we want to do. And they've no, they've no obligation to tell us, by the way. So I, I guess it's, for us, it's 
it's difficult for the club, for the players, for the staff, for the infrastructure, for what comes next. It, it, it's significantly more difficult for those guys. We've seen it time after time after time when clubs go through changes, particularly in ownerships. The wheels come off a little bit on the infrastructure and everyone gets a bit, a bit wobbly and things don't run as they should. Um, but that's no excuse for what we're seeing on the pitch. And I think, you know, with regards to the, the, your statement, there are no leaders. Um, I've been disappointed in, in some of the senior players not standing up and being counted. And self-pride alone should put to bed the notion that the ownership issue affects what you do on the pitch. Nobody wants to lose football matches. Nobody goes out there to do anything other than to win. And and I'm sort of puzzled as to why we're performing in the way that we're performing, why we're allowing the things that, that, that happen to happen. And I guess when we get into tactics and things a little bit later on, we'll talk about that. But just at the moment, it just it just feels like we're not really going anywhere off the pitch and on the pitch. And that's a major concern. Um, Ev, I agree with, and, I, and I've always agreed with the statement that, or one of the things that uh, Steve said in terms of they're not obliged to tell us, in terms of what their plans and everything. Absolutely. But my God, when you're a supporter of a club through thick and thin, and then you've seen so much thick, you know what I mean when I say this, like in terms of on the verge of a quadruple only six months ago, and then suddenly you find out that you're for sale and then you're not for sale. And then your football director of football, the legend that is Michael Edwards has left. And then his predecessor has left, sorry, his successor has left. Um, and then the, the, t- the way the team performs and the glaring obvious issues. I think as much as we're not obliged to get an answer, we're most certainly, certainly allowed to question. Yeah, absolutely. I, I said it um, last week on here. I said the club's missing a feel-good factor right now. Um, and stuck in the mud was the phrase that I used, and, and even more so now you know, with each passing negative result and uh, shitty performance, that becomes more and more the case. Um, FSG, you know, like Steve says, have no obligation to speak to us directly or update us uh, by the day or even by the month. Um, and I have to, it's worth pointing out that although it's all, you know, doom and gloom for us over here as fans, it's certainly not doom and gloom for them as owners, even though they're trying to sell, they are in a very nice financial position with Liverpool. We are coming off of record revenues. Um, they have turned their, what was it? A 300 million pound leveraged purchase of Liverpool into a, what they value as a $4 billion conglomerate of sport. So not only do they feel no obligation to tell us about, you know, bids they've received or new timelines, any of those things, you know, why would they? They're also in no real rush to sell. They will hold out um, until they get the four billion that they that they think they need. And the the sad part about us as fans is that not only do we have to remain in this situation, but should we miss out on Champions League qualification? and the financial benefits that that brings, that will only hurt us as, you know, a football club trying to make moves and rebuild. It won't hurt them. They, they won't put money into the club. They won't take any money out, but they won't put any money in. So the missing out on Champions League football only hurts 
you know, the guys who are trying to recruit players for the club. It certainly doesn't hurt them as owners. You know, I've seen people on Twitter say, oh, well, shouldn't FSG want to maximize the value of Liverpool by qualifying for the Champions League? Yes, that is true in a sense, but it's certainly not disastrous if we don't. And I don't think that would cause them to lower the price tag that they're after. So, yeah, just a... Different words on Steve's general point there. Stuck in the mud, for sure. Um, just got a super chat. And you made a comment. You made some, You said something that I might want to segue into Conroy and Cav. Uh, but let's see if this what the super chat says. Uh, appreciate the support. 1975 Jamrock says, are we getting mixed messages or fans who want them out only hearing they're selling? Or who wants them to stay here? Partial investments. Seems selective hearing. Open to a sale open to partial investment. There is mixed messages, isn't there, Conroy? There is mixed messages. And that's why I'd like to have a debate about or chat about. We do need clarity. And clarity always comes from the top. And I feel as though, I know Evan said that FSG are in an absolute comfortable position either way, whatever happens, they've got their money, their money's in the bank, so to speak. Once they sell the shop, uh, the shop, the club is worth, um, X amount. How does this affect Jurgen Klopp then? How does it affect his mood? Does it does it indicate or does it justify Jurgen Klopp's mood swings? We've seen in the press conference him saying different things, confusing things. I need a midfielder. I don't need a midfielder. You know, we're trying. Next, like for example, a week ago he was like, "We'll see what we can do. We know what we want to do." Whether we can do it is another story. Then reports today come out saying we're not likely to do anything. There's a lot of lot of confusion. And it comes from the top, Conrad. No, absolutely. I think, to be honest, uh, it, of course it's going to cause issues in any line of work, to be honest, if a company was getting sold as well and you weren't you know, getting clarity when it was going to happen. It can affect lots of things. Specifically in football, we talk about uh, Klopp, maybe is thinking, so say the club is getting sold, he's maybe having not mixed messages, but unsure of what they can afford to do. So let's say uh, they were keeping the same owners for the next five years. They would probably have to sit down and work out a structure on how they can, you know, rebuild the squad. But at the moment, it seems like they're not even going to, well, I don't know, but there's definitely, there's mixed messages out there, as uh, 1970 Jamrock said. It's obviously going to cause some issues because in, in any uh, line of work you'd want clarity on what's happening I feel right now because we've not heard much update recently you could you could assume it could be until next summer until anything goes goes through with that as Evan said I think FSG have put themselves in a very or you know don't, they, to sell the club put themselves in a very good position because was it 300 million that's how much it was the purchase was they're probably going to get about three four billion as Evan said and say they've got it's on their side of things they can afford to, to play hardball so if you hear the dog in the background, apologies, that's Rocco. I've got my dad's dog and he may snore in between. So apologies for that. Um, no problem, mate. No problem. We've watched Liverpool snore for the last... Exactly. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't even segue there. But yeah, in general, of course, it's causing issues. I think for, for me, um, the, the fear I had when we first uh, got announced that we were looking for either a full sale or partial ownership was, you know, in my head thinking they might just say, let's get through this season without spending as little amount as possible and then sell it for, you know, absolute, as much profit as possible. Um, <laughs> at the moment, that looks like that could be the case and that worries me. But I would also, 
add the factor as well and add the point that right now Liverpool are in the Champions League still, right? They've not failed to make the top four this season yet. I feel like by the time the summer comes, a lot of things could change. And as Evan said, you know, we spoke about three billion, four billion. That value could they might not get the money they're asking for. So that's the one thing that surprised me a little bit is when they announced the sale of the club or and you know partial sale, whatever you want to say. That's probably the highest value of the asset they had at that time. And the way it's going right now is definitely going to decrease by the end of the season. So that's the one opposing argument I'd, I'd maybe have towards the sale of the club. Mm, interesting, Cav. Um, Jurgen Klopp obviously is uh, an absolute vital figure in all of this. So, so he's the kind of link, isn't he, between the ownership, the fans, the players as well. And we know he's the he's the, the ultimate romantic, isn't it? This is the why we fell in love with him from the first day. Uh, the way his his loyalty and 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 love for players and it's his biggest strength. But could it be his ultimate weakness as well, Cav? And not only in terms of his loyalty towards the players. We'll get on to that and we'll discuss the players by name. Mm-hmm. But just very briefly, while we're on the ownership type thing, a lot of people are questioning him in terms of why he's putting such a, a defence or seemingly such a defence of the owners when some would say it's quite clear they're hampering him. Or are they hampering him? Again, a lot of confusion there. Who's hampering who there? Mm. Well, one thing we probably should consider is that Klopp is probably protecting his fans because, as you guys have said, it, it's uncertain times with regards to what's happening with the ownership in the club. I mean, the only thing we have to go off is the statement to say that they're looking for investment. I don't quite get now why we're a bit down the line in this process. Um, that was even put out because if it is just investment they were looking at, what did they gain by telling everybody? Because surely they could do all of that in the background. You know, that's why we always led to believe it's going to be a full sale. Um, but and then if the if that's the case as well, what did they gain by putting it out? Because if they're trying to demonstrate they're not going to spend money, well, that doesn't please anybody. We don't want to be told that we haven't got you know money to spend to recruit players and what have you. We would rather not know, I guess, and just wait and see what happens. Um, it creates uncertainty. But I think Klopp maybe, I think he is privy to information. I, I personally, I, I don't have any evidence of this. I feel like he would be having conversations with FSG <laughs> and, and pot- potentially people looking to invest in the club and, and being part of them discussions. You maybe can't influence a whole lot because it's a little bit above him, but he would want to be involved. He'd certainly be asking the questions. And I think that the man that he is, I think that maybe he's, he's got some answers. He's just he's protecting his fans by not saying. But because until, if he keeps leaking things and leaking things over the next like season, we're just going to get drip-fed information. And that information you can see in the fan base can be taken one or a thousand ways, you know, and it can create, you know, a little bit of chaos, Um because I think at the minute, most people are just upset with the performances on the pitch. I think if we were playing well and where we all expect to be, the kind of sale and stuff would take care of itself. Um, so I think he's probably protecting us a little bit. But then in terms of our FSG hampering him, well, they've got to be because he, he he just signed a deal. But he'll want a bit of certainty over what direction the club's going in and what what backing he's going to get to try and re, uh, reinvigor this this team and create his, his second... 2.0 side if you like so I don't think the, the 
the current situation is helping anybody, to be totally honest with you. I don't think it's helping as fans and I don't think it's helping Klopp. Um, but, and I know we'll come on to it, I'm not using that as an excuse for, for what we've seen this season in terms of performances. Yeah. Um, so let's just maybe go into the most recent performance that we have seen. I just thought we we start off with that chat to sort of see where we're at in terms of our own opinions and minds. Because I, I just thought um, I just thought there's there's lack of clarity. Because obviously you're right, Kev, what we're seeing is on the pitch, and there's an absolute lack of clarity on the pitch. But then and I, I know we're gonna get onto a poll, Steve done as well, in terms of what is the issue, do we think? And even though Steve's poll was magnificent and brilliant options, I think one option could have been added and said, is it from the top, like the ownership issue? Because if you have clarity and you know where you are, you know where you're going. We were known for our direction, for our uh, unity, for our the way we're organised, everything working off everything. It seems to be the polar opposite. And it just shows you, just like at Chelsea, where there's no clarity, where there's no sense of direction, everyone's doing what they want, and it's showing on the pitch. Lo and behold, it's showing with us on the pitch as well. But I, I want to get to the game very quickly and very briefly. Not much to talk about, um, except um, I guess we went full strength, Steve. Did you expect that? Um, I, I, I kind of did because of the weak gap. And then just, um, have you got anything positive to say about the game? We literally played Wolves reserves and a couple of kids. Um, for me, it was quite embarrassing overall, Steve. I'm not going to lie. I, I expected us to go strong um, because Nunez needs a goal and he got one, and a very good mm. one at that. Um, there's players in there that you don't sit them on the bench. Players don't recover their form sitting in the stands watching. They, they recover their form being out on the pitch delivering or, or not, as the case might be, looking at that game in isolation or, or for the rest of the season, if you like. Um, there were no surprises in that team for me at all. I think if you really stopped and thought about it, you, you probably all could have picked that team. So um, it was frustrating, you're right. I think we started quite well. We, we dominated play without really causing any, any harm or any damage to, to walls. We created a few openings. And then the same with every single game we play, the opposition growing confidence. When the opposition growing confidence, they start asking questions of us, organisational wise. And as Cav alluded to last week, have a look, you have a look at our tactics and you do wonder whether they work and why are they what they are. Um, it was embarrassing. It's been embarrassing. It was embarrassing at Brentford. It was embarrassing at you know, Fulham. It was embarrassing at Nottingham Forest. I could sit here for the next 10 minutes and give you a whole catalogue of embarrassments. And there's a friend of ours, Sam Walker, says that the media are being lazy by saying that the midfield is, is, is lacking in energy and not able to be combative. Um, I think it's a culmination of a number of things and no legs in there is definitely one of them. It's not lazy, it's easy and it's obvious, which is why everybody's saying it. And I don't think we're seeing anything different. And I've said before, um, I have some sympathy with Fabino in particular because in a 4-3-3, if you've got a 6 and 2 eights, if the 2 eights are not doing the business and they're allowing people to run off them, a la Dewsbury Hall, for instance, in the Leicester game, you have got absolutely no chance. So I tweeted last week, as long as we play 4-3-3, all of these issues are going to come home to roost every single game. 
we'd be better off with a double pivot and changing how we go about things. It, it was, it's becoming very, very difficult to watch at the moment. Um, and it's different to, to the season when we had all the injuries because if you look at that team on Saturday, that team should be good enough to get a, a, a pretty easy and comfortable result against a Wolf side that's devoid of confidence, is unfamiliar with each other and can't win games of football. When the two lads came on, Cunha and, and Nunes, they absolutely ran the show. They brought some quality onto the pitch and our midfield couldn't deal with them. So I, I'm in the camp that the midfield is is, is a fundamental problem if, with what we're looking at at the moment. Um, but I think tactically we're, we're so far away from where we need to be in terms of the press. And I'll close on the press because I know the people want to speak. If you sit high in the ground and you watch the other balls press when it works, it's like the whole thing moves and then it drops and then it moves and then it drops. And that's that's absolutely ridiculous to watch the, the, the efficiency of it. What we've got at the moment is disjointed presses that don't work. So Henderson tried to press Jewsby Hall, didn't do it, then tried to challenge him, didn't do it. Guy gets a run at Matic, Matic steps out, selling Van Dyke down the river in doing so because he should have just held his line. Backed off, backed off, backed off, and used two centre backs to try and limit the space in front of Jewsby Hall, and he scores a goal. And West Ham have done it, Everton have done it, and it's not new, but it's something that needs sorting out. It needs sorting out quickly. Um, it, it segues into the super chat. It says we changed from a four-three-three to a four-two-three-one, and it was working. Post World Cup, it seems we reverted to what hurt us early day this season. Why, Evan? It's uh, the the four three three four two three one question is uh, is a curious one. Back uh, when you know at the height of Liverpool, you know in the Klopp era a few years ago, I was not a big advocate of four two three one when we would occasionally play it in like you know League Cup matches and things like that. I never thought it looked as good as the four three three, and rightfully so. But like Steve said, this current version of what I call appropriately the post Wijnaldum 4-3-3. Uh, it just doesn't quite make sense anymore, uh, both for the profiles of midfielders we have, for how many midfielders we have, for how badly we've sort of been exposed this last season. And listen, I'm not a huge fan of I told you so punditry or commentary or anything like that. But, you know, you could go back to Redfellas episodes from like October 2021 and I am complaining about the midfield eights and their seeming lack of ability to track back and cover and transition, support Trent, win midfield duels. And I was saying this when in the first half of last season, we went on one of the most impressive offensive runs in terms of XG accumulated per match for like 12 straight games. And I, I was saying this even in our amazing win run, you know, great results everywhere. Um, and Unfortunately, what that what the post wine album four three three relies on is an insanely high level of technical excellence from everybody, like quite literally everybody on the pitch, from fullbacks to the midfielders to the to the front three, requires just an insane level of technical excellence. And you know, that's kind of what we were able to get. That's why we were able to go so far last season was our technical excellence was off the charts. I mean, every available attacker had a prolonged stretch of form where they could not stop scoring and they were, you know, unplayable and all of these things, you know, Mane moving centrally did wonders for his form. Uh, 
towards the towards the latter half of the last season. So without the ability to control the game by mopping up every counterattack and winning every midfield duel, which is what the midfield of uh, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Henderson used to do, what is now required is a, a level of technical excellence where every single pass has to be nigh on perfect. Every touch has to be nigh on perfect. So this, the current version of the 4-3-3 is no longer realistic uh, for, for many reasons. You know, we don't have enough midfielders. We don't have the right type of midfielders, you could argue. So like Steve says, you know, there is, there is no more defense of, of the current 4-3-3 and the current tactical setup. It, it can't press. It, it can't win the ball back. And like Steve said, he alluded to the press. You know, when you're watching high up in the ground, almost like a bird's eye view, uh, you can really see the triggers and, and the unit moving as one. And I remember from from twenty from 2016 to 2020, when I would watch Liverpool press, I could like predict it in my mind because the patterns of pressing, uh, this is all off the ball stuff. Forget the on the ball stuff. The off the ball stuff was so recognizable and repeatable and effective like the the center back would receive the ball with his uh weaker foot and i knew firmino would be right there and i knew salah would cut off the angle behind firmino like that it was just little things like that it was very repeatable it was very effective and nowadays i see a lot of pressing i see tiago pressing in front of the 433 with with uh in front of the three forward line and nobody else is pressing with him and now there's this cavernous gap that Fabinho is now responsible for. So numerous issues galore, but if I had to point to specific tactical reasons, that would be that would be it right there. I'm I'm not a fan of the tactical setup. Might be a bit over flattering to even call it a tactical setup because I struggle to see what the goal is. <clears throat> pulling a pulling a muted mic moment right now, Chris. I was just, I was just speaking, <laughs> just miming. <clears throat> you didn't catch me out. Oh, good. I was just miming. Yeah, yeah. I was just moving my mouth, getting ready to speak. There you go, getting warmed up. You know, yeah, you know, like one of those Chinese movies that needs editing. It's out of edit. But look, what I was saying, Conway, um, I agree with everything you said because it's glaringly obvious now. Even if there is, even if there is a debate to be had and said in terms of, um, look, it nearly got us. To, to destination X, which was last season, playing a different type of four, sorry, the same four three three, but a different type of midfielder. Um, it's glaringly obvious now, and it has been for a n- number of months, almost the start of the season. Even if we go back to the opening game against Fulham, it's pretty much stand up to us physically, and at certain points, one of your <clears throat> midfielders beats one of our midfielders with a body faint and you're directly at our back line. Honestly, it's as simple as that. So match us physically, which is not hard because we've been outrunning every single game, bar two or three, Evan. I don't know if anyone's got the stats or Kevin, I don't know, someone might in the chat might have the stats, but I think we've we've been outrunning pretty much every game, bar few, which was unheard of, like unheard of. So not only are we being outrun, it's so tactically loose at the moment that all it needs is one of your midfielders to do a body feint or go past one of our midfielders and has a direct access to our back line. And as a result, 
it's, <clears throat> it just seems like every game's a basketball game against us. It's, yeah. it's so weird to see us like this, Conroy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd actually say there was more bas. I'd prefer to watch a basketball game with us right now because I still think we're not that good at the moment. We can't even outgun teams, to be honest, because we've missed like what the most big chances this season are definitely up there. Darwin's missed, what is it, 25 or something like that? Or it's very high. So it's not even like, and that's not just on him. I mean, just in general, it's not like we're, you know, I think last season when Evan makes that point, I think it was Brentford away last season, Evan, we spoke about the eights in transition and Evan's been speaking about this for a year because I've been on all these podcasts as well when he's yeah, brought so up. You brought that up. Someone said yeah. when Evan started speaking about it, he had no facial hair. Now he looks like a ginger <laughs> for Christmas. Yeah, uh, that, that, was a, that was a great comment. Like he, he, yeah. he remembers he remembers three different facial hair iterations ago. I, I've been speaking about this, but yeah, Brentford away, Conroy. That was we talked about that at length. Yeah, because in that game, we created a lot of chances in that game. So it wasn't like they lost their 3-1. It was like, I was, think, we not debated, but we, I said to you, listen, Henderson created a lot in that match. We actually missed a lot of chances. But I don't even think we're like that now, to be honest. I think it's quite, it's quite, <laughs> not painful. I hate when people say that, but it's it's quite, they're not we're not a great watch at all. I, I would add that. I feel like, to be fair to Nunes, like if he's maybe, you know, making a run and it's literally give the ball to Trent and he'll try and find Nunes or Thiago. That's that's basically a pattern of play. That is our only pattern of play right now. It's either that or slow the game right down and hope a midfielder like Keita comes on and does a one-two. But again, it's not exciting. But 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 on the point, um Chris kind of went away to a different question there. But um on on the point of us at the moment, I feel like we talk about a lot of different opinions and I listened to a few podcasts today but I'm going to lay down some facts here. This is not a, this is not a, a, you can't disagree with it. This is what's happened this season. We've been outran the majority of games. That's not opinion. That's fact. So no one can tell me the legs aren't the issue. It is telling you right there that the legs are the issue. That's it. End of question. End of debate, right? So that that's it. That's a fact, right? It's also a fact that I think last week I meant to mention this, but we ran out of time, that Allison has faced double double the amount of shots that any of the teams above us in the top six. So I think as the top six, five teams above us, above us, that's double, right? It was already bad last season. We always said he actually faced far too many for the best keeper in the world, the amount of one-on-ones he had to save. Well, that's double um, the five teams above us. They're facts. I mean, it's, it's really, it's getting to the point where it's like Cav was on last night and I'm getting now, I'm actually, it's, it's, it's annoying me. It's not football's not rocket science at times. It really Cavs isn't. Not, right? Let's make it clear. Was Cav annoying you? Or was... No, 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 no. Cav, Cav, okay. Cav, Cav, <laughs> Damn, Cav I thought Cav was annoying you. No, no, no. Cav right. made a really good point. And it, the thing that's getting me is it's really, I think a lot of the chat are saying it as well. So I'm going to say it. I feel like we all watch this game. It's not rocket science. It really isn't rocket science. So everyone else can see the issues. We're literally, this is, this is how simple it is. We're trying to press with players who can't press anymore. So therefore, the press is not quick enough. It's not that difficult to concept. It's really quite easy to understand. Yet we keep continuing this. And it's actually to the point now where Matias Nunes came on the park last night and said, I'll just run by your press. It's really that simple. And they're in and go. Last night was pathetic how easy it was for Wolves who made nine changes to get in our goal. It really isn't good enough. Like, if you watch a championship team it get exploited that easy, you'd have problems. And, and the thing it get, is getting me, guys, is this is continuous. This is not one or two games. And I, I just think it screams that we need to be more compact and we need to play more 
counter-attack is I think that's what Cav said last night. So that's that's why I mentioned your name, Cav. It wasn't to have a go at you, it was to back that point up. And I'm getting to the point now where I feel like we mentioned four, two, three, ones, and you know what? I wouldn't always say that works great, but I'd say we can't play we shouldn't be playing a four three three that way. Four two three one, four four two, four four one one, whatever you want to say. I just think right now it's 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 gonna keep happening. And I'm a bit worried that there's not going to be any changes. And I just feel like it's it's plainly obvious to see. And that worries me. And um, yeah, with regard to top four hopes right now, guys, all over the place. Cav, I know you've spoken on this quite a bit. Um, so I'm going to ask you about the game. Like we've, like people need to go and check out yesterday's calling show, which was quite an epic one. Um, but I just want to quickly go back to the game before we go back to the tactics. Because I, I, I agree. I, 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 we, we get the poll up from Steve in a minute as well. But just go back to go, Nunes, a lot of people calling for Trent as a positive because his form since... The, he's the only guy that looks like the rest has done him any good. He's the only guy that looks like the Dubai break has done any good, the World Cup, or whatever it is. It's done him good. Everyone else looks exactly the same as they did when, when, when the start of the season happened and we thought, what is going on here? Why is that? Why has nothing been done? Does it look like anything's been done tactically? No, because we still reverted back to 4-3-3. Like, I'm with Conroy. Like, top four does look bleak right now. Mm-hmm. Based on that game and performance, Kev. Yeah, and I've got to be honest, guys. I, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. And, and, and the reason being is, if you think back to last season and then the seasons before, we had that workman-like midfield and we spoke about that a lot. We also had an extremely good forward three. The game was so much on the same wavelength. They were so, you know, together in both their attack and their defence. You know, Klopp talks about defending from the front, you know, and the, and the entire team needs to press. What we're underestimating is Mane was lightning quick, you know, had had the heart of a warrior, would battle for absolutely everything. And if he lost the ball or he lost the battle, he'd win, he'd go in for the next phase of the, uh, of the um, challenge and the next one and the next one. And he won't give it up. He'd also help back and cover that wing for Robbo. And he would do so much work, so much running up top. Salah did, but I think he was kind of dragged because he's seen everyone else doing it. And what they did is they timed it so well. So they would push the opposition into areas of the pitch where they would struggle to get out and they'd have to go along and would see Virgil mop it up. Bobby Firmino was also key in this. We talk about him dropping deep to link play and stuff, but quite often he would just drop onto the the centre-back or the midfielder and just nick it off him. Because Bobby's coming from behind you when you're on the ball. You don't see him coming. And he'd just nick it. And then that recycle, turn, get it forward very quick. And then we push up the pitch and we and we compress the pitch. When you look at the front line we've got now, all of them are new. None of them know or are experienced in that pressing system. As great as they are, Salah gets the goals and assists. Nunes is, is causing chaos and, and he is getting goals and he's impacting the attack in a positive way. And the left side is, is you know... Gakpo probably moving forward, but it's been the Ox and then Diaz prior to that. But only Diaz has had half a season really with this. None of them guys are learning or seemingly have learned the triggers to press. They're not pressing together. They're not pushing the opposition into cul-de-sacs, if you like. You know, they're just doing it a bit aimlessly. And then when it comes to when that ball's past that front three, how many of them track back? Nunes, Nunes does on occasion. And when he does, he, he looks fantastic for it. And I'm really pleased. But Salad does rarely and then the left side it's a bit iffy 
I just think we're underestimating the importance of that that front three were to the, our entire press. And I do think that Klopp's probably going to stick with the system because I think he thinks, given time, he can teach them it. I think they've got the ability to do so because they're hard workers, they've got great heart, you know, they've got pace, they've got fighting on these players. I think Klopp just thinks if I if I teach them all in in time and in in you know in terms of games played together, they will get it and they will learn it. And then every if we can defend well from the front, hopefully everything behind them will fall into place. So that's why I don't think he's going to change it. I think he's just this is his system, and at some point he, he'll he'll get it to work. I think he's very reluctant to change because if he if he was going to, I think he would have already. Because as the guys have said. We've seen these terrible performances all season, to be honest. If that's the case, then, and it very well could be, Steve, I've brought up your poll. Uh, interesting convo tonight, reference Liverpool's form. So what's the issue, people? When your options were defence, midfield, oh, damn, this gives away where I voted. Midfield, forwards, press and tactics. Um, overwhelmingly, people agreed with my choice there, at least... I don't look like an idiot. Um, but you suggested that you think it's the press and the tactics. Now, if that's the case, I want to counter that by saying we were told that the Dubai trip, one of the main focuses of the Dubai trip, lads, and correct me if I'm wrong, lads, maybe I misheard. Klopp, I think, alluded to the fact that one of the things that we're going to revisit or try to bring back is our press and intensity. Am I right or did I hear wrong? I'm sure I said it somewhere. I read somewhere or was said somewhere first because I might be wrong. Otherwise, there's no point carrying on then if I'm wrong. No, he did. He used the word, he used the word compact. He said they're going to look, they're going to look to be more compact and that they've reviewed the games that have already happened this season there. That's what he said. And a couple of the players also mentioned that we looked at our pressing and the intensity has not been the same. I think Harvey Elliott spoke about it and we're trying to bring that back. Steve, we haven't seen any sign of it. In fact, it's probably worse, I'd say, especially last two games. To me, that's a damning indictment that the players can't do it anymore, Steve. That was our first choice midfield right now. You could argue Henderson, Elliott, maybe, Naby Keita, maybe. But availability-wise, that is our best eleven right now. Of course, Virgil's injured. And none of them, none of them, in my opinion have got the legs to make us the Liverpool that we witnessed, let's just say, 19-20 against it. I don't care if that's an outlandish statement, I've made it. None of those three midfielders will ever get back to the levels that we've seen. You're on mute. Sorry, guys. Um, I agree. I think what's really telling is that when you do warm weather training in Dubai... Big social accounts will get invited along to speak to players in like press areas and press zones. All of that was stopped because the club said, we're going there to, to be intensive training. We're going there to sort out some things. We're going there to get people in line with where we want to be, what we need to improve on, how we, how we start again after the World Cup and we're in a better place. The issue with, with, with that poll and why I think it's a combination of the midfield and the press and the tactics is all about starting positions. So if you go back to the very, very poorly named Brexit midfield, as some of our fans like to call it, with Wijnaldum, Fabinho and Henderson, it was a flat three. It was a flat three. Basically, it was a line. If you look at what we're doing now, Harvey Elliott is not in that line. Harvey Elliott is 10 yards further forward and trying to 
Ford's partnerships with Mo Salah and inverted trends, and to some degree, the front line. Thiago is, as, as I think Evan pointed out, doing his own press all by himself. Um, so what's happened is the trigger work, and, and this is another thing, the front three, the front three moves, the front three moves and closes down. And if you guys know this, apologies, but there's lots and lots of people watching and it's just my opinion. The front three move and they shut down the defensive options and the defenders get rid of the ball. But at the same time, the front three move, the midfield three move as well. So there's no option for that ball to go to anybody. That's the whole idea of, of what we've been doing when we spoke about watching us from elevated positions when it works really well. At the moment, it's like the front three go and do what they do. They get bypassed because you're not, we're not particularly pressing, pressing particularly well at the moment. And then the midfield's nowhere to be seen. So Harvey Elliott has become the latest victim of the Boo Boys because people ask him, what does he actually do? That's really unfair on Harvey Elliott. He's playing in a system that doesn't get the best out of him. He's playing in a system where he's been overrun by big, powerful physical athletes. If I'm playing Liverpool this Saturday... I'm going with three in centre midfield. I'm going to match Liverpool up with three in centre midfield. And the whole game plan all week is about having the third man running. Third it's so basic, running. Steve. It's so basic. It, it is. It is. The third man running has destroyed us. The moment the Napoli game happens away from home, when they get in behind us five or six times in one game, that should be the, the trigger for the club to say, well, hang on a minute, but let's look at the history. Arsene Wenger, Sir Alex Ferguson, and now Jurgen Klopp all have one trait. They're all really stubborn when it comes to change. Arsene Wenger was like stubborn as a mule. You ask any Arsenal fan, wouldn't change anything at all. It's not an, an, accept, an admittance of failure or, or, or a poor thing to do to say, well, 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 this isn't working. We need to stop this. We need to change this. It's actually a strength to say, it's not working, guys. So we're going to rethink it. We'll go with a double pivot. We'll change it up a little bit and we'll stop exposing Harvey Elliott who's playing in a sort of a, a eight hybrid role. And we'll stop exposing him in particular and we'll stop exposing our midfield three to runners. But we just seem to think every single week we're going to go out there and something is going to change. With the personnel in the squad at the moment, that's not possible because of bigger, more powerful, athletic centre midfielders that are eating our three in there for dinner every single game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it kind of again segues into what KD is saying hard to watch because weekly they're expected to do the things they can't do anymore that's exactly what I said vicious cycle they get run over got told to do it again and repeat Evan that's a major issue man and this is where I'm going towards almost blaspheming and saying Jurgen Klopp talk to us talk to me talk to the team not me personally even though you've got my number brother um, but but like we've all ex we've all given our opinion, and we're all seeing mm -hmm. it as well on a weekly basis, and it's pretty much spot on. They're being asked to do something that they're not physically like Conroy's rant earlier about the facts. Mm -hmm. They physically can't do it, and it's so embarrassing watching them try right now. I'm embarrassed, and I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm. Um, What's the word? I'm for, I feel sorry for Elliot when he's been asked mm -hmm. to 
play up against the likes of, I don't know, whoever. They just jump on his back because they know we're going to bully this little kid. And he's not on that level of a Silva or a Bernardo that people keep comparing him and saying he can... Mm. He's not on that level. He may become on that level, but he's nowhere near should be asked to do that right now. It's so unfair on him. And it's almost unfair on Henderson to play like a 26-year-old. Tiago to play like a 25-year-old. Almost never played like this. He even said it. I've been taught how to mm. run. And Fabinho as well, we've run him into the ground and I've said it months ago and people were, oh, you're mad about Fabinho. I'm not mad about Fabinho until he proves me wrong. I'm right about Fabinho. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's really difficult. The, the whole press thing, like, you know, Conroy brought up the stats. We've been outrun in all but three games. Is, is that correct, Conroy? So that... Although our, our midfield options are aging and we can see visible evidence of physical decline, that is a choice. Running, like running, only only outrunning uh, three Premier League teams so far this season, that is a choice that Klopp is making. Yeah, Henderson is slower and less fit than he was three years ago. And maybe Fabinho now as well. You have You, you can argue that. We are pressing less as a team and we are pressing less effective. And when we do press, it's less effective. Like I've see, I see Tiago going off to do his own press and I'm watching Gakpo and Nunez and Salah sort of just jog around behind him. So I, I, I don't understand the press anymore. It's, I, I don't believe that the, the press of 2019 still exists and especially not the press of 2017. Cause I, I, I remember we, uh, one of the big changes we made after signing Van Dyke and Fabinho and making that big move with the Coutinho money is we pressed less in 1819 in 1920. We were full on gig and pressing in 1516 and 1617. And for parts of 1718, we pressed even less. So our our answer in the post Wijnaldum world, or especially this season, is to press less. Like I, I don't believe players are lazy. Like, guys who are old can still outrun you. You know what I mean? They won't be as quick. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to dispel this notion that there's laziness or players aren't listening to Klopp. I think players are listening to Klopp. I think we are pressing less. I think we have become a less intense team in the press. That That's that's just my opinion. I, like, you'd have to imagine that if Klopp was telling them to press as much as they have been, in the last three to four years in different versions of the Liverpool team, and they had only done so three times this season, those guys would not be in the starting lineup. And I, I would also agree with you, Grizz, we are forcing tons of players into unflattering situations. Henderson is a wonderful complimentary player when you have a fantastic effective system where everyone's doing their job to a very, very high level. Then, of course, who wouldn't want a player like Jordan Henderson in your team? Because he's a great complimentary option. Because he has all these intangible, intangible, you know, benefits to, to a to a starting eleven into a dressing room. So who wouldn't want that? But when you have a very ineffective team, players like Henderson and players like Elliot, who you could argue for different scaling reasons are poor systematic and tactical fits, they're they're the ones whose issues are exacerbated. So like Steve says, they inevitably become the the boo boys. You know what I mean? Because what's actually to dislike? about Harvey Elliott and Jordan Henderson. I just feel like they're being hung out to dry tactically because I can think of multiple occasions last season. And keep in mind, they they play the same position. 
in this Liverpool team. So you can actually compare them a little bit. There was multiple times last season where our technical level that I alluded to was so high. Salah, Mane, clicking, Firmino, clicking. Everything was looking great. Trent, technical level off the charts. There was times where Elliot and Henderson both making that wide triangle with uh, Salah and Trent. It was incredible. It was incredible just just the work rate and the chances they were generating and, and the one-two passing over five to ten yards. It was phenomenal. So I've seen Henderson and Elliott have fantastic games at right central midfield. Not anymore. Now that the technical level has regressed to the mean as we've let go of players, um, it's, it's, it's just no longer effective. So, so I'm with you, Grizz, in the sense that we're putting tons of players in unflattering tactical positions. That's exacerbating our issues. But I do think we are running less by choice. And it I kind of agree with that in the sense that we don't really have the legs to run as much as anymore. And maybe Klopp identifies with that. But as a result, as Steele alludes to, if you reduce the game, and I said this last week as well at post-Brentford, if you reduce the game to a battle of 50-50s in the midfield with Liverpool, you have a very good chance at getting a result. Whereas in previous years, it was if you can reduce the game to a battle of penetrate our 18-yard box, Liverpool, we're just going to sit in and camp in. That is how teams used to play us. That's how a Wolves team of 2018 to 2020 would have played us. Not anymore. Because if, like I said, if, if, it's, if, it's a, if, if the game is just a 50-50 with you and Jordan Henderson, or one of our other eight options, you have a good chance of winning. And that's... Yeah, go on. Sorry, Steve. Just, just want to make a point. There's an old adage in football, and it is a cliche. Don't run when you don't have to. So let's not get misguided by the fact that we didn't run a million miles last Saturday and, and, and other teams have outrun us. We're, we, we should be running more because we should be making more recovery runs. If your press works properly, you get the ball back quicker. So in essence, you get the ball back in areas you can let the ball do the work and you don't have to run the legs off the players. I think the issue we've got at the moment where we're being overrun by teams is we're allowing those teams to run offers as opposed to being clever and economical with the energy we use because we don't press correctly. No. Guys, can I, can I just add, add one thing to that? Yeah. See, I think, Evan, that's a f- very fair point, but it's not like we're playing compact mm-hmm. and counter-attacking football because then it'd be, exactly. I agree, you'd both, that'd be conserving the energy and catching on the counter when you have got Salah and Nunes up front. To me, that just makes a lot of sense, but that's not what you're seeing. We are seeing people who are literally running like Bruno Fernandes last year when we beat them 5-0, like a headless chicken presses at times, right? That is what we are doing at times. Like Maybe I'm being a bit abrupt with that, but I feel like there's no cohesion between the players. It's like, even like I, I, even like last night, I think someone brought it up earlier, like Robbo makes a press um, to, I think, I can't remember who their right back is, and like either it's probably he's made a mistake or no one follows him, but there's there's lots of occurrences like that. So it's like I would agree with what you're saying if there was more examples of us being more compact and playing on the counter or just trying something that could allow us to to let's say not be as exposed. But I feel like that's not we're not we're not seeing anything to back up. So that's that's why I feel when you're like was it the Leeds game for example or what was the the Nottingham Forest game. Like we're both outran in those games, and when you're watching those games, you feel like no, we're getting outran, we're getting bullied in midfield. Like you can see that with your own eyes. You don't have to look at the stats; you can feel that when you're watching it. So I feel like there's enough of a, a sample size now of these stats to say that 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 links into the problem. But I get I get what you're both saying though, because I feel like for me, if I'd seen tactically different differences tactically, I'd support that more. But I just feel like 
continually seeing that stat and continually watching us being exposed in transition. And as you say, for 50-50s against Liverpool right now, you've, you've got a good chance of winning. So that, that was just my point on that. Could, uh, Rob, go on. So, sorry, Grace, could I just add to the point? Um, I, I made a point yesterday, and I, th- I think Conroy's on my side when it comes to we need to be more compact and maybe play more counter-attacking football. Easier said than done, I know, because these players have been here for a while and the tactics are ingrained in them. But um, Liverpool concede the first goal almost every single game. Yeah. So we instantly need to get ourselves back into the game. We instantly, if they're being told to be more compact and, and maybe look to nullify the opposition and hit on the counter-attack, there's rarely been a game where we can actually do that because we're always looking to get back into the game. So we, we have to be on the front foot. We have to be looking to progress the ball um, up the pitch. And, and quite honestly, the players, they don't whether they don't have the ability or there's not been enough work done on the training ground, but they're just looking for the easiest option, which is just smack it long to the guy that's willing to run after everything. So I, I, I agree with, with Conroy's point. We should be probably looking to be a bit more you know, compact, sit back a little bit, maybe press further back into our, our own sort of um, half rather than pressing the keeper and doing it aimlessly. But that, that only works when the game's in, in the balance or it's still it's still nil-nil, whatever. Going a goal down every single time just completely chucks the game plan out the window. You have to then go forward and try and get that game back. You can't, can't press from deep. You can't press like that from deep. That's the whole reason why we did what we did because we forced right-backs to give us the ball in their own half because they didn't have an option and they played... Poor passes into midfield, and we and we suffocated the life out of their midfield. We are in danger of becoming tagged along ball team right now because we recognise that in Darwin Nunes we've got someone that's unchallenged un- in terms of speed and movement. So we're always looking for a ball into Darwin Nunes, always looking for a long, a quick long ball into Nunes, a quick long ball into Salah. That suggests to me we don't want to go through our midfield because we don't have any confidence in giving the ball to the midfielders. And, and that's a worry. That's a concern. Yeah. Well, that's equally as worrying as any of the other points. You're right. Absolutely. Um, just a few super chats that kind of interlinked. Buying players in January, Rabadam says, might upset the amazingly delicate balance of the team. <laughs> Do you guys see any... Go on, Evan. Yeah, I, that reaction was... No, it, it, it's, it's just a phenomenal comment. Um and you know, maybe you know, in 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 uh in pre in previous years, that might have been true when the team was clicking and we were on course for ninety eight points, and we were in the latter rounds of the Champions League, and maybe maybe that maybe that was true. Maybe you didn't want to buy competition for Sadio Mane at left wing in January. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, what what balance? What solidity? What cohesion? I mean, fucking hell! At, at a certain point, you you do have to sort of just throw shit at the wall until it sticks, and oftentimes people do that in the in the transfer market. Um, but yeah, not a lot of good deals to be had in January. Might be Jurgen Klopp's reply to that. But well, we're knows. gonna we, we're gonna get onto that next segment. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get onto that next segment right now. Uh, Liam says something completely off a tangent, and you know I found it interesting to say the least. Uh, Liam says, Klopp wearing a New York Yankees cap has definitely hampered our chances of FSG sanctioning a midfield purchase. Um, just for context purposes, Evan, am I right in saying, someone said it in the chat as well, is that the equivalent of... Uh, Manchester United. That, yeah, Liverpool, someone wearing them. And, and Red, 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 Sox, Red Sox-Yankees is the oldest rivalry in baseball, I'm pretty sure. So, La- uh, Lads, any thoughts on that? Because is Jurgen <laughs> no. Klopp... 
No, 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 because there's there's uh, so many pictures of Klopp wearing a Yankees hat throughout his Liverpool career, even when we were really good and spending money. So okay. I don't, it's not there's nothing in that. Like there's no pictures drama. of him. He's there, there's multiple pictures. I of like him drama. It. <laughs> I know. I would I would love for it to be the case, but unfortunately, okay. there's so many from like 2017. So yeah. Okay, fair he's, enough. He's therefore he's therefore got that for Christmas from a relative, and he's just wearing it to training. It's just it's been a gift at Christmas, and you know I think you're they're always looking for something, but. Yeah, I think, okay. you know in, in in a way, in a way, it would send more of a message if you wore a Red Sox hat. When you, when you think yeah. about it, it would send more uh, of a message. That would that Fair would enough. feel deliberate. But uh, Conroy, probably I'll give this one to you. Is it possible that Liverpool losing so many people behind the scene is the big reason why Liverpool might find it harder to turn things around? Um, if it just means like in the specific moment of the season, or if uh, it's a good super chat, if it means like you know overall, I feel like let's say. Let's say overall. So let's say to be competing for titles and you know Champions Leagues again anytime soon. I'd say that's definitely not going to not going to help. And I think someone in the chat said earlier about the Julian Ward, how it went from being his dream job. But you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. But within the space of how twelve months, he's going to resign from that position. So that can't help the situation. We mentioned like people saying in the chat synergy cohesion. Any organization, or you want to be in it together, so of course that that could make things you know a lot more difficult than they need to be. I think that's a good point. But I would also say that if it's that's the long run, and, and we want to get that sorted, we want to get a director of football in place, and we want the staff that we've lost, you know, get re the adequate um, replacements in place. But what I would say is, for right now, the things we're talking about, like on the park tactically, I feel like that team and that squad and the management and the coaching staff, there's enough there to, to make the, the adequate changes to make us harder to score against, hard, harder to concede. And as, as me and Cav, not to keep going on about it, but be more compact, there's enough there to do that. You don't you don't need a, a director of football to know who's in place next year, your director of football, to do that right now. But listen, in the long run, definitely there's, there's a lot of points in that. Um, so Tooth Rose says, amazing chat. It absolutely is. You guys are amazing in the chat. Um, and we're learning things as we're speaking, which is amazing. We're live. We're trying to think of answers and questions and have our own debate, but we're watching you and you're educating us. Uh, it is brilliant. Um, thank you very much for all. Uh, over 800, as Cav says in here, um, you know, it's, it's uh, thank you for rocking with us. We just like you, ask, ask you to like the hit, ask you to hit the like button. Uh, one of the points someone raised was um, David Lynch's, he didn't do an article. He, he actually, um, done an interview with a Norwegian outlet um, which suggested um, he expects, or we expect, Casado to go to Chelsea, ouch. And one of the reasons cited was this homegrown situation rule uh, that people get confused about, worried about what is the situation, what is the rule. And I think uh, I think we've got a we've got a, something to explain it, haven't we, uh, Evan? And I know you have yeah. to go, so I guess you get to oh, go cool. through this with us yeah cool so uh shout out to omar put this together um so currently liverpool have uh a 23 man squad uh registered for the premier league which requires seven homegrown players you can see this under the squad section those are the seven homegrown players underneath would be the 16 non-homegrown players and players under 21 do not have to be registered so uh, that's currently where it stands. And of course, David Lynch alludes to this. You know, you see, you know, that's why Jude Bellingham, part of why he's so high up on the 
uh, totem pole in terms of Liverpool transfer targets is because he is a, I think he would qualify as homegrown or he would eventually qualify because he would be playing a good amount of football for Liverpool before the age of 21 in theory, if we get him this summer. So um, that's, that's kind of what he alludes to. Um, worth noting that Curtis Jones this time next year will have turned 22 and can therefore be registered as a homegrown player, providing he is still at the club and not out on loan or gone permanently. But I think we just gave him a new contract or at least offered him one. So, uh, yeah, he, he did get a new contract. So uh, it, it, it would lead us to believe that Curtis Jones is being held on, not primarily for that reason, but that's one of the big reasons. Um, and then Oxlade-Chamberlain, Phillips, Williams, Milner likely depart. This would leave Liverpool with five homegrown players this summer. Liverpool would therefore need two. Do they decide they want to keep one of the above? Uh, Milner playing on a coaching contract or do they go into the market for two homegrown players, Bellingham, Rice, Mount? Now, if you had to... I, I Real quick, I'm just going to... My, my opinion is, of course, I love Bellingham. He is also my number one target. I think he's a super unicornish profile on, on the transfer market. I do think there is nobody like Jude Bellingham. Uh, however, there are plenty of other player profiles that we need in midfield. So we definitely should have gotten some more midfielders last summer. Uh, Declan Rice is really interesting to me. I know he divides opinion. However, his underlying numbers are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. He's just, he's everywhere. He runs more than everybody. He progresses the ball more than everybody, tackles more than everybody, or at least he's in the upper percentile in all of these stats. So as a stat guy, as, as a guy who loves the nerdier side of football, I love Declan Rice. Also have good things to say about Mason Mount, though he also divides the opinion. I think he is a, a, a great player, in my opinion, in a not-so-great situation at, at Chelsea. So those are my thoughts on the two homegrown players. And if, you know, Moises Caicedo, if, if the rumored price tags of well north of $60 million are true, and I asked on Twitter today what what can get Declan Rice this summer. And I had a bunch of people saying 70 million is the quoted rumored price. For me, it's, it's not a question. Declan Rice is a better player than Moises Caicedo, but there is a debate to be had over there over the individual ceilings of both players. Interesting. Um, guys, you want to come in on that debate about sort of, let's just say if there is a homegrown need, a need for a homegrown player, um, can you suggest some, please? Because that's what everybody wants to know. That's the question, then. Because if there is an issue, is there, first of all, do you see an issue, Steve? Um, no, but you've, you've always got to have your eye on the quota, and it doesn't hurt to have them. Um, I think Evan's quite right in the, the three names he mentioned. If you if you swapped our three, four or three, and you swapped out three of our current centre midfielders and you replaced them with Mount, Rice and, and Bellingham, that's probably as good as it can be in terms of your homegrown quota. It's really interesting that we know that El Nazar have been sort of looking at the Bobby Firmino situation uh, with a view to trying to offer him a contract and that Liverpool were, were okay with that conversation happening from, from all accounts um, because if Bobby goes, we have an option to do something because we're not sure where the land lies with Bobby. Um, that's, that will play itself out whatever way. I hope the guy stays. I think he's got another 12 months in him and he can help the likes of Carvalho and Elliot learn how to play football and don't have the ball and how to bring other people into the game. Just to finish with the Curtis Jones piece, um, yes, he's got a new contract. And the reason he's been given a new contract is A, to protect the investments in Curtis Jones because now there'd be a transfer fee if he left and B, 
if we allowed Curtis Jones, Naby Keita, and Oxlade Chamberlain to leave, we're buying three, absolutely buying three, maybe four centre midfielders because we still have to deal with this issue with Henderson and Fabinho not being available all the time. What Curtis Jones gives you is a is a is a body a number, so you reduce that headcount of who you need to buy by one. And he'll become a squad player. This was his breakout season for me. This was the season there to show the club what he was worth. Um, by all accounts, Klopp likes him because he listens really well and takes things on board. And he's quite easy to work with. But he's been given a new contract to, 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 to lessen the impact of what we need to do in the summer for me. Kev, have you got any thoughts on, on that then in that case in the situation of a homegrown situation arising or possible on the horizon. Uh, surely it's not an excuse in any way, shape or form, right? Um, it, it shouldn't be an excuse uh, because we should have always had our eye on this. So we sh every you know transfer window we go into, we should always have this in the back of our minds. But, I, but I this, is another, this is another thing that's irking me though, Cav. And it hurts me the most because I used to praise this the most. I used to praise our all-round ability to have everything covered and organised and so ahead of the curve, so to speak. And this is one of those things that's really irking me and embarrassing me, really, because I sang its plaudits. And now every sort of segment looks, uh, what's the word, dishevelled, disorganised, not unsure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like I'm a little bit, I, I, yeah, I'm the same because it's all kind of been brought to a head this season, hasn't it? Now we're looking at this first um, transfer window in January, but I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned come the summer just with some of the names that are in the homegrown quarter at the moment. I think there's an argument for quite a few of them to just wanting to leave this club. You know, if you look at um, Milner end of contract, you look at Nat Phillips possibly wants to go get some football. You look at Kelleher possibly wants yeah. to go get some football. You know, yeah. a lot of people, although I think he'll stay and he's, he's not long signed a contract, you know, Henderson, you know, might just reassess things at the end of the season. But I think that's less likely. Gomez might look at this season and think, do I need to just go somewhere and get some football? I don't think it's going to be an issue come the end of the summer. I think we'll be fine. But I do think there's quite a few players in there that aren't solid definites to be here for the following season. And that just makes me a little bit concerned because if you ha then having to go out and sign players that not only uh, quality and at the right age profile and fit into everything that we want, but also fit a homegrown quota, that, that pool is very small, I think. And then you really struggling to to prepare again rightly for the following season. I do think it's just this summer coming up that's it's probably going to be an issue though because there's quite a few lads that are looking promising and you can predict that will be in the squad for the years ahead that will then enter into the um, to, it will be 21 and over. So I'm thinking that the likes of Elliot and um, Carvalho will probably in a couple of years time qualify as homegrown. I just think it's perhaps this summer that it might become a, a bit of an issue. And of course it would, I think when they looked at it this summer, they wouldn't have expected such a wholesale change in the, in the squad. I think that they didn't quite expect the performances they've got out of some players. So um, I don't think they really foreseen it as the, as an issue, but now you look at some of the guys that we have in the squad and there's been an acceptance by everybody that we do need to refresh this more than we perhaps thought in the summer that then with so many ins and outs, this, this, this could be a potential um, potential um, issue, if you like. 
it's a it's a great it's a great point kev something that i only realized once i saw the list here um you know with the exception of of alexander arnold you could make a case for uh all of the rest of those homegrown options being a not quite up to the required level or two almost certainly seeking pastures anew uh after the summer whether that's retirement or just uh, a, a different club. So it's it's not like the uh, the existing homegrown quota that we have is the absolute spine of our team. Unfortunately, mm. it's far from it. But uh, I do uh, have to head out. I am being summoned for chores around the house. I definitely wanted to stay around for the uh, the homegrown quota. But I must bid you all uh, bid you all goodbye. It, w- it was a fantastic discussion, and I do feel better, Grizz. And I hope that you and Steve feel physically better as well, if not mentally better. <laughs> That's what we're here for, Red Fellas, helping each other and helping everyone else as well. Look after yourself. See you, See you boys. In a bit. Uh, just a couple of super chats that we want to get through and then we... Um, oh, God. Conroy. Giving Hendo that contract was an enormous mistake. Conroy, was it? four year, Was it a four-year contract, Steve? Okay, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a four-year contract. At the age of 30, I believe. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, hindsight's everything, isn't it? I was was it four or was it three years? I thought it was three. Maybe I'm mistaken that. Um, okay. Not three on his current deal, making it four. Yeah, or yeah, okay. But I would say um, we look at the way we like to operate. Is you still? I think Real Ferdinand spoke about that last year. Sometime he said the the collection of the dressing room. You, you want to keep your leaders now. At the time when this was signed, we had that the Milner factor as well, we wanted to keep those type of leaders in the team but you know, hindsight's everything <laughs> four, 400 quid and 140k a week, yeah at the moment that's not looking too good but as I say, I still feel like he's still a leader, even if it comes to he's not playing every game going forward, I still think that's useful for the, gest- the dressing room I-, I-, I do stand by that, but obviously it's not ideal, but at the moment I'd still feel like he can be of use in that, that dressing room. I mean, look, to be fair, it's not you might not want to use this example, but if you look at the um, the way he's, he's been used, the way Milner's been used at times, you know, coming in, being part, helping that, that culture in the dressing room, making sure there's a standard kept. Now, right now, you might laugh at that comment because they're not, not being great, but I do think there's 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 some, hey, what's the word, there's some something to be said with that respect. Um, Khalid says, if the midfield is weak, why not have four in midfield instead of three, Steve? Good question, um, because Curtis Jones is probably the only left-sided player you would want to play as an orthodox left midfielder as opposed to a left winger. We brought in Jota, we brought who was left winger for, for Wolves. We brought in Diaz, who was a left winger for Colombia and, and for his club side. We brought in Gakpo, who was a left winger for PSV. They're, they're not orthodox left midfielders. They're not guys who are going to give you the sort of up and down defensive thing, dovetailing, covering for Robertson. They do their damage in the final third in quick transition using their pace and their power. Um, and again, go over to the other side. Would it be good use of Mo Salah to play him as a right midfielder? No. You'd have to play him in the front two and then you'd have to find a right midfielder, which at this moment in time would probably look something like Harvey Elliott, um, who I don't think has got the legs for for quick transition. I think um, it's an interesting, an interesting point. A double pivot probably works better and then we put an extra body in front of them. It's really difficult with the squad we've got to find a solution to the problems that we're facing every week, but a, a 4-4-2 
would be really difficult given the person that we've got playing in orthodox left and right midfield positions for me. Con? Can I just add something? See what's an interesting take on 4-4-2. It's not really Liverpool-related. Everyone always assumes your midfielders have to be like wingers. But if you look at what Scaloni done with Argentina, it's actually a really clever way how he made them compact. He'd have a flexible kind of, what was it, the way he used McAllister a few times as well, and he didn't work mm-hmm. out with Papu Gomez, as they would come more, more centrally, but not really be in a wing, but it made them more compact and it meant they wouldn't get like you know caught in transition. So I think that might be an interesting one to look at as well. It doesn't always have to be a winger. And that's what I mean by that stage. You could have Salah up with, let's say, Nunes. And you could have... I'm, I'm not saying we've necessarily got the personnel for that, but it doesn't always have to be two byline winger, wingers when you're doing a 4-4-2. So I just thought that was an interesting... Well, Valverde does a very similar job for Real yeah, Madrid. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> Excuse me. Cav, did you notice they mentioned Salah? And position and what I said to you yesterday, we're gonna have a chat about it. Amazing how segues work on this show, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> oh, that was pre-planned. Um, pre- that. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And I didn't even tell you guys, you know, it slipped my mind, but you just reminded me. Um, Shane, we will get onto that right now, right next. Teams want us to have the ball because we have no creativity and get exposed on the counter. Maybe we should be compact and sit back for more now. Steve's explained the negatives of that. We're so not used to be so not trained to play that for the last five, six years. It's a drastic way of change of play. There can be variables, there can be slight tweaks, but to suddenly, after f- six years of learning and building a way to play, suddenly becoming a counter team. Is it not? <coughs> Sorry, go on, Ken. Mm. I, I think that it doesn't need to be wholesale changes with this. You know, no, people think... People think we need to be like this, sit back and, and, and get everyone behind the ball, defend your 18-yard box and counter-attack from that. I, I made a suggestion yesterday, and this is, this is one of the things I thought. When the opposition have the ball, say, from a goal kick, instead of having our two, four, two wide forwards on the edge of the 18-yard box, right, waiting for them to pass out and then press in, because we're so poor at that press, because we don't do it as a team, why don't we just let them play it out from the back to their defenders? Let them progress so far, and then there'll be a point at which we do then trigger or put a slow press onto the opposition because then we will naturally have more players closer together and they can press more in numbers because this individual thing's not quite working. I think when we go so high, unless the back four has really pushed up and been brave, it's just too easy to get around. There's just way too much space. So that's why I'm talking about like a press in the middle of the field to say, you know, it's a bit of a halfway house. I also think then maybe like from, you know, at the minute from like set pieces and stuff, why don't we just commit one you know, man less. And I just think there's little things we can do in the game where we're not so committal to a press, we're not so committal to an attack and just concentrate on nullifying. Because I, I believe at the minute it might hinder our, our attack in some respect because, yes, we're not winning it further up the pitch and we have got to run further to get closer to goal and, and the opposition might be have time to get back into formation and stuff. But to be honest, there's no evidence to show that we're actually good at creating attacks. It's just pretty route one at the minute. Or it's give the ball to Trent and hope for a bit of magic. So I don't think we lose anything from what we've already got. And, and somehow we still manage to score goals. So I don't I, I don't see there need, need to be a drastic change. I just think just be a bit smart. Maybe just tell, you know, Robbo, 
you don't don't press just just you're a left back just play left back traditionally only press when you know obviously you always need pressure on the ball but don't do this individual press or the pitch and stuff i just think there's things in the game that can be looked at just fine little tweaks that's a halfway house because it's too easy at the minute quite simply <coughs> every opposition if we all said they know if our goalkeeper's got it we're not we'll kick it long and win the 50 50 or we'll go short and we're not we're not fearful of that we're not scared of going short because we know we can pass around you I think we can just switch it up a little bit. If you're going to allow teams, if you're going to allow teams to play out, and I hear what you're saying, don't necessarily disagree. If you're going to give teams the opportunity to play out, they're going to sit off and allow them to do it. You have to sacrifice your high back line because yeah. then, what you get, then what you get is what the great Barcelona teams suffered from, which was teams would sit in front of their midfield and just ping balls into the spaces that Gerard Piquet and, and Carlos Carlos Puyol couldn't cover. Both of them are not particularly mobile. We're lucky we've got mobile centre backs, but we would have to just completely do away with the back line. And I firmly believe that will be the last thing that we sacrifice out of all the things that we do because it brought so much fruit when we won the league in terms of using VAR as a sort of an additional defender by catching people out who were running too early. It, it, it kind of that means you've got to sit, you've got to you've got to pull your whole team back down the pitch. And nullify the spaces because you, by giving cultured central defenders, and there are cultured central cultured central defenders in the league, time on the ball, they will pick out a runner, and we're not great at spotting runners at the moment. Particularly our fullbacks are not great at spotting runners because they, like Grizz says, they've been coached for six years to go that way and and be the width and be the creative influences, and suddenly you're saying to Trent. I want you on the half turn running back towards your goal because there's a possibility there's a switch on in behind you. It's on now because we don't press. It becomes worse if we allow teams to play out. That's my opinion. I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying because it isn't working, pushing mm. right up the pitch. But it's kind of out of the frying pan into the fire to some degree. To, 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 but to, I, think, to I, think, I think I'm in the middle. I think I'm in the middle of the... Well, I don't think Cavs is that extreme anyway, and I don't think yours is extreme. But I but I think we probably all agree that we're in the middle, that we agree that this system and this way of playing has enabled us to become one of the most feared teams in Europe. But we also agree we haven't got the personnel to play that system and that method and those tactics that made us so f- fearful. Mm. Like, we are now saying... That they were, they were the, the, person, the easiest team. They were the easiest for sure. team to play against. So for sure. that means for changes sure. need to be made. So, like, so changes need to be made. But, but so I think this is where this is where I think we probably agree. Unless jump in, guys, and have another shouting match with each other. I think where we agree that either we change the person, uh, the personnel now, refresh the personnel. Or if we're not going to change the personnel and we're going to change it at the rate of one a window, which is not enough, then change the tactics. Is that fair? Yeah. Mm-hmm. More likely to be the yeah. second one. The personnel. The I, I mean, I mean, before I we... I, I, need to change. I don't think we're going to go and sign three centre midfielders in one go. I think next summer we have to buy two. Um but I think the teams who are competing for those midfielders around us might make that more difficult than we'd like. I think we're buying minimum two, and we oh, have right. to. Otherwise, it's an absolute, absolute shit show. That's just my opinion. Um, 
agree. I agree, but I also agree that we're not looking any time, and it doesn't, and there's no evidence to prove that we're going to change our tactics personnel, especially under Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linders. They have this set way. They flexed. They became flexible before the World Cup, but I think that was out of necessity more than they thought. There's something different here to work on. Mm. I think it was just get through that phase with no midfielders that we had. Once they've come back, lo and behold, it's back to the four-three-three. So I'm down the personnel route. Mm. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, the, sorry, Conroy. Just to on, you go, add Kevin, to a you point. Go. We're in January, right? And I, I totally agree. We need bodies. But whoever we get in the door, and this is why I was on the side of getting Casado, and this is why I liked it, because he played in a system that is very similar to Liverpool at Brighton. And, you know, the style of play, I think he has the attributes that fits us. But whoever comes in has got to need a settling in period. And you just have to look at the guys that, like Fabinho, and, um, well, Thiago went straight in, but he was a little bit off the pace, wasn't he? Giving away yellow card in every game and stuff. There is going to be a settling in period for whoever comes in. You know, Evan mentioned a name earlier who really likes Declan Rice, but Declan Rice plays in a, you know, next to Suchek and their system's completely different. You know, so whoever comes in now, there is going to be a bit of a settling period. We will get the energy, we will get the enthusiasm back, but I don't think that alone is going to just turn the results. I think tactically, we have to be better, regardless of who we bring in. I don't think signings alone solely changes our fate. I, I agree. Sorry, Con, you was going to say before something. No, no, I was just going to say, see see the one thing uh, gets me uh, now, because I, I, I've said to you before, if you get the personnel in, do your gig and press. That's the way we've been successful. That's how we've won the leagues, won Champions League. I completely agree. But right now, it's not looking like that's going to happen. I hope it changes, but it's not. So then you've got to play with the cards you're dealt. But right now, I, I just repeat what I said earlier, we're just... We're playing the wrong way with the cards we've got at the moment, and the the point about like being more compact. The reason I think that's the way to go is sometimes, right? We say high line, high line, right? Sometimes defenders have to just defend. It's really that simple. And I sometimes think we are scared to, you say, create more chances. But I'm quite comfortable giving Knotts Forest the ball and seeing what they can do. And I think it's just snobbery to say we can't do that against them because then when a t- you've seen it in the past, when teams like that have the ball, they try to play, they tend to give it away more often and then you can catch them on the counter. It's not like, it's not this brand new concept. It's been used a lot in the past with a lot of success. So this is where I, I feel like the fact that we're so, we're not going to do that, I disagree with because I feel like, I honestly feel like, if you just say, no, you take the ball, you do something, that full game plan that week by, let's say, Thomas Frank, um, by any managers coming up against us, right, out with the top six, are probably like, I'd include Brighton that as well, but they're probably like, oh, we're not used to having it. So what I mean by that is you could have certain matches where you say, no, let's do that and be more compact. And then obviously you can have other ones where you can change. But what we're talking about here, we're talking about adapting tactically. And this is something we just don't do. Other teams do it. Lopetegui went to a back three within two minutes uh, yesterday, we we I think we're so stuck on right. This is the way we do it. This is the way we do it, and I understand so much success. But again, I think we've got this 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 thing where it's like, oh, you can't adapt. You can't try different things. Like I just I don't think you need to spend a year practicing a system for professional footballers at the top level to try new formations. I, I'm not having it. I feel like you should be tactically astute enough to at least try that in a game. And I feel like teams below us do it and it just seems that we're the one who's stuck in this way and can't adapt. And I find it very frustrating at times, I've got to be honest. And and for me, I agree with Cav. I think that's the way to go because, again, like 
you're just playing into teams' hands. They know what you're going to do. It's just not going. It's going to be the same thing. We'll be talking about this next week or the week after. Brighton, Brighton will beat us. I'll say two 0 right now. Brighton will beat us, and the same thing will happen if we don't change. And the really annoying thing is, if you watch a Spurs match, we played Spurs and we did adapt. We played Nunes on wide left, and we kind of a bit more compact. And what happened? We got success between the half spaces, Nunes especially, and it worked. So I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going on. I just find it very No, you need to go on. You need to go on. You absolutely do. The frustration is shared amongst many, 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 and we get it. We have to speak our mind. And we, sh- we, we felt the passion in your voice. And look, opinions are opinions. We all have them. We don't have to agree. Like, for example, Minus Trust, the irony, Minus Trust, the irony, his name is Minus Trust. And he says Grizz is amongst the 2% of fans who have faith in FSG. Like, how did he pull that percentage out? How does he know my views on FSG? Like, ludicrous people in here. It's mad. I love these kind of people. I love highlighting them to make them look like dickheads as well. Um, but, Cav, you, sorry, was you going to say something, Cav, there on, on what Conroy was saying? Was you going to say something? So no, I was just, I was just, okay. I'll, give you, I'll give you a little segue if you want one, Gris. Is, 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 well, it, is, it, is it tactics and should he change? Or should the players who have played this system for a few years now just simply be doing it better? Well, this no. is it because I was going to segue. No. I was going to go, Steve, because what I was going to bring up to, to Cav's very, very good question, if I may give my opinion on it, was so the likes of the leaders, the main guys, the big dogs in this team, namely Matip, Virgil, Fabinho, Henderson, Mohamed Salah, Thiago, and Robertson, a lot of the season, have massively, hugely underperformed as individuals. Look at your own performances and say who has played to 75% of his ability in 75% of the games, which was our go-to standard. All, all of those players that I've mentioned were guaranteed 7 out of 10 at a minimum every game. Can we really heart, hand on heart say any of them have reached 7, seven out of 10 70% of the time? Thiago's a wonderful footballer. I think everybody on the planet would say, amazing. He's done, he can do things in football no other player Liverpool have ever had been able to do. I think that's pretty fair to say that. But he's a player that plays at the top of his game when things are going well for you. He's a player that doesn't play particularly well under pressure. He doesn't play particularly well under the stretch. German football being a deep-lying playmaker is very different to being a left-sided centre midfielder with with a six-foot-two-inch guy that can do athletically much more than you can, saying to you, I'm just going to I'm gonna run you down, mate. I'm going to run at you with the ball and you try and deal with it. And he has won is a, a, fair, a fair amount of challenges when he's been kind of the last man standing. But when I said that you can't, or they can't, when you started that section, is when we had those three in the field, Ronaldo, Fabinho and Henderson, they would fight you and they would beat you and they would recover the ball, and they had this thing called a battle zone. And when they got out of that battle zone, they were reminded by the coaching staff to get back in the battle zone, because that's where the game was won and lost. That's where we recycled the ball. That's where we stopped the opposition from even beginning to play. We don't have that at the moment. We don't have players who can do that. We don't have... This is the thing. Our, our fan base went for Gini Wijnaldum, went for the jugular. And when he'd gone, they were like, yeah, he's gone, get, get, get rid, good riddance. Sometimes you don't realise what you've got until it's gone. 
this team right now is, is crying out for a junior on album character. Somebody that would turn up every single week and you'd think, and they're going to steal my mate's quote here, and you think, what's he do? And then he holds off three Barcelona players under massive, ridiculous pressure and does a drag back and leaves all three of them for dead. And then you think, oh, well, that's what he does. He, he's got that strength. He's got that stability. He's got that ability to win the ball back. He's resilient. He's strong. He's fit. He runs for 95 minutes. And, and you look at what we've got now, and we're light. That's the best way I can say it. We're light in there in the middle. And as I said before, and as all of us have said, if you're playing Liverpool today, you just go heavy in the centre of the park, and we can't cope. And that's because we've got square pegs and round holes is, is a really poor thing to say, but we've got players' attributes don't fit. Shall I, shall, yeah, shall I say why I used that, didn't I, yesterday, Kev, where, where square pegs and round holes? I said, no, nah, the pegs are worn out. No, you did. The, you did. The, I right, wasn't earlier. You did. <laughs> they're, the, they're the right shape. It's, it's fine. Like you can see, but they're worn out. Yesterday's midfield was Fabinho and Henderson. Like even Salah. And I guess we segue onto the Salah debate because Nunes has been getting a lot of heat. And Nunes is a new newbie, doesn't know the language, but for high money, huge pressure with the injuries of Jota, Diaz. Bobby Firmino, who all, by the way, in my humble opinion, were probably ahead of him in the planning of the start of the season. Even though we paid 65 million up front for him, uh, Nunes, I believe the other three were there to let him integrate, take his time, get used to the system. The press that we've discussed, that we know starts from the front, so he had to learn that. He was not given any of that time, any of that leeway shoved right in there and said, you are now our main goal scorer. Alongside who? Mohamed Salah, who's always had the tag of being our main goal scorer. Nunes has still bagged a few and done his best to fit in. And he looks chaotic sometimes, but he's been effective. That's the word I use for him. I don't ever use rubbish or elegant or whatever. I just use the word effective for him. Guys, Mohamed Salah is getting to an age... Um, and stage in his career where we've seen a lot of lot of world class attackers, Ronaldo, Messi, um, the two that come to mind straight away. Where the Harry Kane, even his role has changed. Sadio Mane showed us last season. There comes a point in a in a, in a forwards role, a, 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 a career where maybe a, a positional change will enhance his career at the very highest level. Because Mohamed Salah reached levels that most players can dream of only. Mm. But if we're still to continue to ask him and, and expect him to play at that, that level, is there a tactical tweak that's needed? Is that an option? Or are we saying, no, fix the, some of the parts of the, of the other areas and he'll come good in that wide right role in a 4-3-3? Just a question. I, I think, think the... Go on, well, stay. Sorry. No, I, you go. You go. I think the 4 3 is when it's course. I think we're talking about professional athletes, talking about professional coaches, professional managers being paid millions of pounds a year to get the best out of their football teams. So it shouldn't surprise you that teams have got onto how to counter the, the 4 3 3 We'll never know whether the three names I mentioned before would make a difference, but as things are, the four-three-three really highlights our issues. So, so maybe there's a tactical change in there. Maybe there's a, there's a four-two-two 
two scenario where you put Salah in, in up front right through the middle with Nunes to give him a little bit of difference. But we spoke about getting Salah closer to the ball, getting closer to the goal earlier on in the season, and that's where the the four two three one and the four two 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 we we sort of that had a little go at before the World Cup, and then we've gone back to the much maligned four three three. I, I think football evolves. Teams figure you out. Teams figure out what you're doing. And I think Liverpool's four three three is susceptible to to pressure down because we've been, it's been found out. Kev, the thing that upsets me with Salah is, and, and and I'm going to probably get a lot of stick for this because he has got the goals and he's, he's got the assists. I can't argue with the stats, but I generally watch the games and I'm looking for somebody to do something in attack, and I and no one's doing it other than Nunes. Like nobody is. You know, Trent. Trent's been good since he's come back this season. Um, since he's come back from the World Cup, sorry. But prior to that, he he was having a pretty poor season. The midfield isn't particularly creative. The left wing, you know, we've got the injury issues there, so it's just been a makeshift person in there. The only the only guy that's doing it is Nunes. But then I'm looking at Salah and I'm going, highest paid player in the club's history, and 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 you're not doing anything. Like you, you you're offering yourself wide right for the ball, but once you get it. You're just quite happy to give it back inside to Henderson or give it back to Trent. I'm not saying you need to go on these mazy runs that we've seen him do against, you know, Man City on on occasion. But why can't you just take a run, pick the ball up, and just run down the byline? Just 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 run into the space if it's there, and just give the fullback a bit of a question mark in his head as to okay, what what salary am I getting today? Because his game has become pretty predictable. He's, it depends on where he is on the pitch. He's always looking to come in on the left side, on his left foot. And if he's in the 18-yard box, he'll just he'll try to look for that far corner shot or a far, or a cross into the box, or he'll just give it. He's never really running at people, you know, jinking left and right. Uh, and I know he's getting on in age, but I, I don't think that's beyond his possibilities. I still think he has that, you know, ability, that close touch, touch control, low centre of gravity to still offer that. I don't know why when he's given the ball towards the 18-yard box, he can't go to the byline and just rifle one across the box. Just mix up his game a little bit, but he just seems really unwilling to do it. He just looks like a guy for me that's just waiting for things to happen and opportunities to present themselves to him. And don't get me wrong, he's he's pretty clinical when they when they are good chances, although he's missed behind Nunes in terms of big chances missed. For me, it's very difficult to say, but I don't know if that's going to be good enough for us moving forward. A, a guy in our forward line that's waiting for things to happen. I, I think we need, if we're going to continue with this 4-3-3 high-octane system, you need guys that, that want to be on the ball. They want to be running and be direct and, and create you know, their own bit of chaos. I don't think you can carry a guy like that unless you really do have an exceptional you know, right-sided eight. So he's been, in his stats, I can't fault him, but in his performances... I must admit, I've been very disappointed. He's he's a he's, he's a leader in this camp. He's been here for a number of years. He really should be mentoring and showing people the way and leading by example on the pitch. He also is a captain for his country. He has all the traits. He has all the ability. And look, if he's getting on in age now and he's thinking, I just I can't do all the running across ninety minutes. I do need to pick my moments. I get it, but you need to have more and better moments in the game then for me. Conroy, last word on that. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of chat are saying as well. I think you know you maybe say from this form right now, I'm a four four two or 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 yeah four four one one. You know, up up aside Nunes, maybe a way to go forward. Or even if you had, a, I know you don't like this, Chris, but Nunes wide left and central, a Salah more centrally. But for me, 
I think that's because we're talking about right now, and it may be a little bit reactionary because you might get the next few months, you might hit a bit more form again. But it's not surprising to see Salah score yesterday and have a poor game. Like he's done that countless times. I, I don't think this is just a, a new thing. I think if you actually watch all the games, he has spells where he's absolutely, you know, involved in the game. He has certain spells not as often where he's ran games. I wouldn't say it's ever been his top, top quality to run a game. Like he can't run a game like Messi. He's never done that. So he's got good moments of playmaking. You see flashes of it, like the pass through to Nunes against Aston Villa. He does have moments, but it's not consistent but again I think we're maybe in a little bit reactionary at the moment with him because I feel like a couple of months you could see him being in good form scoring but also playing well so I think I'd hold fire on that one because I think in a couple of months that might be different but if it does continue the way it is I feel like you'd still get the benefit of playing him uh, up near Nunes or whoever's there centrally it even evolve to that and hopefully he can but it's not it's easier said than done Grizz not every top or top top player and you say Messi now, I'd, I'd put Salah, he's definitely he's not near Messi, but below that, in the sense of like the players, it's not easy to always adapt position. Not everyone can do it. You have to be very clever as well. And I feel like certain people just brush that off with other players. But I think we'll still see, Salah's still got a lot to give. I think we're just being a bit reactionary with his recent form. Um, a couple of super chats that disagree with a couple of our opinions, which is fine. Uh, Tiago doesn't play well under pressure. Your what says, with all due respect, I think it's a laughable statement. He's the only press resistant midfielder we have, in his opinion. All I'll say to that, Grizz, is he tried to step over a ball and go past the player the other day. I got taken off him. The ball ends up in Allison. He gives their centre forward. They score. What on earth is he trying to do, being press resistant by beating a man five yards in front outside of his box? The point I made was he's not great running back towards his own goal and the team's under siege. So I think there needs to be some context to the comments I made. And, and that's directly what I said. We didn't bring uh, Thiago into the team to play running back towards his own goal because we were being overrun by other teams midfield. We brought him in to control the game. He's not getting the opportunity to control the game at the moment. So we're not seeing the best Thiago. So we need to put a little bit of context on the comment in regards to that. There you go. Queen Ladra says, do you think all oil money must be? Oil money is a good option for us. And also, are we going to buy midfields in this window? No, I don't think we're going to buy midfields in this window. We'd be lucky to get one. I still believe we're going to bring in a midfielder. Um, but yeah. Um, guys, we must call it a day or a night or an afternoon, wherever you've watched this stream from. I've really enjoyed it. As you can tell, I barely took off the camera, unlike yesterday, Kev, where I had to mm -hmm. cough like mad and mute myself. So I think it's done us well. I knew Red Fellas is going to make me feel better. I knew it. And hope you guys in the chat are feeling better as a result. Um, temporarily, even at least. Sorry, Kev, you, uh, Conroy? Chris, just a quick one. I saw a comment there. Can I just clarify? I'm not mm -hmm. calling Salah as saying playmaking. And what playmaking means dropping deep and playing through balls. That's not been Mo Salah. Mo Salah's got a lot of assists. No one's disputing that. I'm not calling Is it this one? Yeah, Is it this one? Yeah. I'm saying uh, that's, his game isn't to drop deep and play through balls all the time. I'm saying you, you've seen flashes of that recently where he tries to link up with Nunes, but I'm not calling him. Don't worry, Conroy. Don't worry. Chats, there's always characters in the chat that are looking for one line to take it out. Yeah, fair enough. Got it is, you know, this is what happens, man. Come on, you're 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 an influencer now. This is what happens when you're an influencer. <laughs> you know, they they want to bring that. If our team showed, this is the kind of comments I like. 
If our team showed the grit you've had this weekend, Grizz, we'd win a few more games. Big up, Omar. You still, uh, oh, shout out to Omar with the with the with the, the really bad injury about Iwobi. Like he must have been gutted with the Iwobi injury. You know, he's one of his favourite players in the Premier League. So shout out there. Guys, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Like if you haven't, subscribe if you haven't. Make sure you follow the guys uh, for their opinions and insights on social media. We've tried to have a chat and a debate on some, on some conversations that need to be had. But at the end of the day, there's not a lot we can do apart from that. We really can't. We have to have to go again as that boring and as top ready that sounds. That is all we can do. Unless you want to stop supporting Liverpool, which is fine. Again, that's up to you. But I have no intention of stopping supporting the Reds. So therefore, I'm going to drink my magic potion, get well and go again and hope Liverpool do the same. Steve, Conroy, Cav, it's been amazing as usual. We are done. Redfellas, sponsored by your FUT card. We're out. Take care. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.